0: Hello and welcome to episode two of the Knife Life podcast. I'm Eugene Kwan, and you can find me under that name on Instagram and YouTube.
1: Uh, I'm Frank. I'm Dr. Frunky. You can find me on YouTube and Instagram, and at drfrunky@gmail.com.
2: And this is Mike. I am Bloom and
3: Blade on Instagram. And this is Charlie. Um, accidentally knives on Instagram.
0: All right. So before we get into the main topic for today, I just wanted to give a big shout out to all of you guys who gave us immense support and encouragement after our first episode. We really appreciated all of the feedback that we got, and we're going to just keep working to improve the podcast and and really just uh, create a place where you can yeah hang out and just talk knives with us. If you ever are interested in sending us an email, we have an email address. It's KnifeLifePodcast at gmail dot com. So go ahead and shoot over questions, thoughts, feedback to that email address, or you can reach us um, in all the different places that we just mentioned. So one of us made a pretty interesting purchase this past week, and the purchase got us thinking about opening mechanisms. Uh, Frank, do you want to share with the rest of us about uh, a little bit about your interesting purchase from the
1: last week? Sure, sure. That'd be great. Um I did want to say, uh, just kind of piggyback off what you said about uh, the positive feedback we got from the first episode. Just thanks to everyone who sent me a message and and responded to our uh, Instagram posts and things. Uh, It's great to hear your feedback. Uh, So Eugene was asking me about this new knife I got. I got a Microtech, a Combat Trodon, uh, not the Bounty Hunter. Uh, This is the stealth version. So I had the bounty hunter a while back and i just bought it because it had the the boba fett theme and i just thought it was the coolest knife ever because i think they they do a good job with that and you know it just it uh had that kind of appeal that you can't explain like it just doesn't make a lot of sense it's an out the front knife it's automatic it's like uh loud and threatening and big and kind of expensive. That that bounty hunter was $775 for that thing. It was insane for for a, an aluminum chassis and an M390 blade. I mean it just didn't it wasn't really justified, but I did enjoy it from a uh I guess a, like a fun standpoint and uh, I recently got the itch to get another one because I just watched oh, both geez. of the – I watched the John Wick movies. <laughs> no joke, no joke. I was taking a trip and I was like, hmm, what can I watch? So I watched the John Wick 1 on my way out, and then mm-hmm. on the way back I watched John Wick 2. And in those movies, in the first movie he has an ultra tech, and in the second movie he has a Combat Troodon. And he, he, you know, we he, he John Wick's people for the whole movie. And so I was like, "That's kind of cool." Let me look at this, and you know, I just got a little, uh, uh, my got my memories flowing, and I was excited about it. And I just bought one, and uh, this one is cool. It's like all DLC uh, on the blade and on the hardware, and I think it looks really cool. This one was more was pretty expensive too. Is 480 uh, new. So sometimes it's hard to justify these microtechs. I don't know how you guys feel about these, but. Uh, you know, we could open that up to discussion, but... Uh, Wait, it, it, before we do, Frank, have you taken no. that thing apart yet? No, I, and I, I won't. I don't intend to. You know, okay. if there's ever a problem, I'll probably send it in and have them maintain it.
3: Okay. But uh, I, I don't think you can, right? It has the proprietary screws.
1: Yeah, it has proprietary uh, hardware okay. on it. And, uh, you know, my experience with a lot of these companies is good enough, and I feel comfortable enough shipping stuff now. I mean, I ship stuff every single day. You guys are in the knife life. You guys ship stuff every single day too, so it's like no big deal for us to send these to somebody to get fixed. So I'm not too worried about it. And honestly, the the build quality is excellent. the The knife is sharp as hell, uh, and I've carried it the last couple of days, and it's been really useful. I think it's been mostly useful just for showing off. <laughs> like I, I, I work in a hospital and so this is like the last thing you want to see your doctor, with, you know, holding in the hospital you're like, "Hello, I'm I'm your doctor Frankie, I'm going to do his brain surgery on you." <laughs> Here's my knife. I don't I don't really do that, but some of the other like male nurses especially, uh and shout out to all my, you know, male nurses out there. They're they're always fun to hang out with. And the female nurses, but you know, the dudes hanging out in the hospital where I work, they all have knives. They just like to have them. And, that's certainly been a uh, sort of a fuel on the fire for my uh, collecting and my habits. So, hmm. I hey, was can like, you
0: "Tell us uh, which blade shape you got."
1: Yeah, I got the the dual edge. I got I definitely wanted to have the double edge uh, <laughs> for an out the front because it, it just maximizes the whole purpose of an out the front. You know. There you go. It's yeah, a, basically a single purpose knife.
3: Absolutely, <laughs> this is. What Twice I realized and so
1: in in watching the John Wick movies, these are really about killing people. These knives. and it's a weird thing because we don't we as knife guys don't want to ever talk about knives as weapons, right? right. We want we want these to be tools. We're trying to convince everybody that these are tools. Uh, but and then here comes
0: the Microtech, right?
1: <laughs> and then I watched John Wick, and I'm like, I want that murder weapon. You know, I I need that in my life, but I'm never going to hurt anybody with it, and so it's just more of a it's just more, I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's like owning a Harley Davidson. I can't really explain it to you. It's just an expression <laughs> of your masculinity. I don't know. There you go.
0: You know, it's, I think there's kind of this misconception. You know, they say that um, these OTFs, these dual action or double action OTFs, they're really safe because you can't open the knife into something, right? It'll come off the track.
3: Oh, no, so, this this absolutely will stab through things. Yeah. i like, through apples and whatever. Yeah, it, it, yeah,
0: so it will come off the track, but it's still coming out with enough force to, like, punch through something. So so my wife, you know, I have an OTF, and my wife was like, is that really safe? So, you know, I took a little tangerine and tried to show her how safe it was and opened the knife into it, and it went, like, a good inch of the way into the tangerine.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: She just was like, that is not safe, Eugene Kwan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, guess, it's, it won't fire, though. The trigger, yeah, is, you have true. to apply so much force that it will just not fire. So right. it is safer in that regard. I definitely <laughs> have had flippers open in my pocket, front flippers open, any, you name it, a uh, folding mm-hmm. knife it's open in my pocket uh, from some way. Uh, but not this. This will never open.
0: That's very true. That's very true. Yeah, it does require a large amount of force to overcome the trigger, especially on the combat troodon. I, I know yeah. that one. Has a little bit of a stiffer slider, right?
1: Uh, I like to call it a man's slider. Yeah, a man's trigger. <laughs> yeah, it's. I like the pressure. I like. It's got a very strong feeling to it. It's a little bit more sturdy than the smaller versions. You know, if you've ever handled an Ultratech or or UTX, they just have a little bit more of that sort of wobble to them that that, that they're kind of known for. the the, tr- the big trodon here is is a bit more stable. Now they mm. all have a little bit of wiggle to them. Yeah, they they, hmm. they just do. You you have one, right? What do you have, Eugene?
0: Well, I have um, I've had a few uh, OTFs like come through my collection. I, I at one point I had a scarab, which I think has one of the hardest triggers on it. I, I remember asking someone on the forum, "Hey, does this ever lighten up or does this ever break in?" And they just said, "No, never." <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's and it, like you're saying, it was a lot more stable. I think in terms of the blade play. Uh, I have a UTX-85 as well, and that one, yeah, maybe it's just more noticeable because the blade is smaller, um, but it does have a lighter switch on it, and so it's a little bit more fun to play with. It's definitely a great EDC, I think, if you're allowed to carry it. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and then I have a Guardian Tactical, which I've been... Telling you about over and over again.
1: You I have, been. and and it makes sense. Yeah. You're telling me there's ball bearings in the trigger. Is that what you're saying in the button? Yeah, yeah. Whatever? So normally
0: the slider, the button, whatever you want to call it, like is is just raw aluminum or or DLC aluminum that's riding against the aluminum frame, like a divot cut out in the aluminum frame of the handle.
3: Yeah.
0: But this one actually has a, a steel plate underneath the button, and then between the button and the steel plate are the ceramic ball bearings. There's three of them in there. And so it slides across the same way that your detent ball on a frame lock flipper slides across the tang of your blade uh, in opening and closing. And so it feels about that smooth. It's okay. pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a whole lineage there because the guys who designed the Guardian Tactical OTF, actually all of the Guardian Tactical knives, they used to work for Microtech when Microtech was still based in Pennsylvania. Yeah. But, yeah, with their blessing, they went ahead and started their own company. So it's a pretty cool story.
1: Yeah, I have, I just haven't really gotten behind Guardian Tactical's design philosophy. I have a video that I made on their knives that I haven't released because it's negative, and I don't like releasing negative videos.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so I'm just kind you of sitting just, on that you, one. You sort of just did. Yeah, well, I mean, I just I just said it. It's, it is a thing. But, uh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's better than the whole video, which is 10 minutes of being kind of negative. But uh, Micr- Microtech is the same way. You either love them or you hate them. I, I think Charlie has been unbelievably quiet because he's like, I don't even want to
3: talk about this garbage right now. I don't mind Microtech. I had a, a UTX-85 and a UTX-70, I think. Yeah. Um,
0: but they're just a little harder to carry in California,
3: right? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't, right? You yeah. would, it doesn't matter where you are; it's it's very highly illegal, I think. Right.
1: The reason uh, I got another reason I got one is that it recently became legal to have them in my state. Yeah, I'm in Louisiana, and the law just changed. So I was like, okay, well, I'll get one now because previously I had them, but it wasn't really uh, like allowed. So now it's allowed. Hmm. It's so I think uh, out the fronts are definitely like a weird sort of very uh, specific opening mechanism, but I think we wanted to open this up to talk about some other things.
0: Yeah, and actually since we're at it, like, Charlie, uh, what is – I think we all know the answer to this, but maybe our viewers, our listeners yeah. don't, don't. But um, what's your favorite opening mechanism?
3: So for now, definitely it's going to be front flippers, but honestly I think pretty close is the uh, – The finger hole opening But uh, Specifically on the topic of flippers I think that's pretty much the current trend Of all um, Tactical holders Both parts, kinds and functional kinds It seems like everyone Is cranking out These titanium frame lock Or liner lock uh, Bearing flippers right? That's Mm -hmm. like between You can get one for like $40 You can get one for like $4,000 And they all kind of operate in, like, a similar way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on that may or may not be controversial. um, So I guess we we all know there's, quote-unquote, two ways of opening a flipper knife, like a traditional flipper knife, right? You have your uh, light switch and you have your push button, right? These are, like, the two methods of deployment if you will Mm -hmm. um but i think if you if you're like designing a knife there really is only one correct way um i think it's fine if you know your, your flipper ends up being both a light switch and a push button but i think if your knife is purely a push button knife it's it's either designed incorrectly, designed poorly, uh, the pivots too tight, like something is off if your knife is only a push button knife. So mm. I would go as far as to say, really, all flippers should be light switch knives. If you want to push button some of them, I think you could do it, but for the most part, um, if it's, if you need to preload, if you need to push button, I just think something is wrong with the flipper geometry, the detent. Um, how it's tuned, the pivot tightness—something is wrong with that knife. My opinion.
0: Hmm. That's the first time I've ever heard someone uh, make that kind of comment. Typically, I I hear kind of people saying that they're kind of open to having it open in one way or the other, um, sure. or it, it can. It, it can be kind of user choice. But you bring up an interesting point that maybe one of them is actually superior to the other.
3: Or it's it's should not superior. Be I just think design. it's a, yeah, it, it's just a matter of uh, correctness, right? I think mm. um, your push-button knives are usually the uh, product of two things. It's either your flipper tab is too low on the knife or your D10 is too weak, right? Mm. This is kind of the reason you have push-button is is one of those things. So, I think both of those issues are, are, I think, by poor design, by virtue of like incorrect design, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Why would you have a, you know, a flipper that doesn't flip with, you know, a flipper detent, right? Flipper detents are generally stronger than your thumb stub detents, than your front flipper detents, you know. Flipper Mm -hmm. detents are really strong, so. If you put in a weak one and you, you tell your users to push button it, to, to like preload and push button it, I think that's a fundamental design flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with putting it too low, right? The thing about a good flipper is you want to kind of maximize the contact and the amount of time, like, uh, through the whole fulcrum thing, like, you, you want your finger and your flipper tap to make like the most amount of contact. That's when the, the action is satisfying, I think. So you put it higher up because that way, you know, you have the entire, yeah,
0: the full sweep. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And also, I guess in that same light, I think it just comes down to, um, uh, you know, making a satisfying flipper also means having a flipper tab that's long enough to, you know, constitute a uh, good flipping action. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of, uh makers are going for this low profile design that works well with you know in pocket carry and with um maybe it aesthetically looks better. But I think flippers are not the most functional opening mechanism, right? It's it's something that's kind of got really big because it doubles as a fidget toy. So hmm. Absolutely. Flippers by mm-hmm. nature are just kind of not the most, you know, functional thing. Especially bearing flippers. Those are like two things that don't really help the functionality of a knife, right? If anything, they like detract away from it. I think. Um, so, because of more maintenance,
0: in, because more things that could go wrong. A little so bit like that. Just okay, strictly as yeah. a
3: tool, right? Mm-hmm. Adding a flipper tab doesn't do too much. You can have a hilt. I think that's useful, but um, you know, I think so, so.
1: But I think that argument is sometimes, you know. Yes, adding bearings and a flipper makes the knife maybe not quite as strong as what a, a thing on washers that's just a like or that's got a triad lock or something, you know. <laughs> but we don't really utilize these knives in any major ways. Absolutely or, or not. Maybe, at least the, the guys in this podcast. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, is like exactly p- what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Is, if, you, if you're designing a bearing flipper, functionality is not number one on your list. You know it's like number three, yeah, so if you're if you're going for design and action and stuff like that, I think you need a if if you're meant to make a flipper knife, you need to put a flipper tab on it. I don't understand why there's too many there's a lot of like these low profile designs right from uh even you know I obviously love Shirogorov but I think they're for example, there's sigma uh flipper tabs those are just too small to use, terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I'm like reverse Nick Shabazz in the sense that I think there is like an optimal flipper tab length. Um, I'll, I'll go as far as to say, you know, you can definitely make a flipper tab too long. That That is a thing. But I think for the most part, pretty much every single good flipper I've owned has had a flipper tab somewhere between, I'd say, two tenths of an inch to a quarter of an inch. It's always in that range. Like I can be I can get pretty specific. I think it's, that's pretty much the right length for a flipper tab. And as high up, um, on the scale as you can go. Definitely above the pivot, which is why you see all of these, um, flippers. They tend to be internal stop pins, because stop pins get in the way of, um, uh, mm-hmm. moving your flipper tab up. But obviously, I think, um, there are makers who make external stop pins work for them, like Shirogorov and Resenti, right? And, you know, they kind of move yeah. it as high up as they can. That's why you have that gap you always see in the F95s and the Neons. That gap is the result of, like, moving the stop pin super high up so that, you know, you have enough leverage mm-hmm. to get through the motion.
0: What What do you think about this, bike? Do you have a preference, since you're also into flippers and not necessarily uh, worried about the ultimate functionality of, of your collector pieces. Like, yeah, what do you think about the, the flipper opening mechanism? Do you prefer light switch, push button? Do you agree with what Eric saying?
2: Well, a couple of things. I, my favorite method, although my favorite knives in my collection don't have it, um, is front flipper. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But for flipper tabs, I like the, I don't know if I'd call it a trend, but I like the really low profile um, flipper tabs. Mm. Where mm-hmm. um, I have one that's uh, by uh, a Russian. I forgot his. Um, Grigorev. He goes by A G underscore knives.
0: Oh yeah, I've been following that guy's stuff. It looks amazing.
2: Yeah, he makes some cool stuff, and I have one. It's a it, the flipper tab looks to be maybe about this, the same height of as the uh, Sigma that Charlie was mentioning. It's really low profile, and you sort of you can push button it or sort of drag quickly you know across mm-hmm. the back side of the knife but i really like the low profile taps a lot i just think it looks cool and a lot of that is probably because i don't have to use it as a tool you know almost ever i mean i'm opening amazon boxes and boxes with other knives in them um but i'm not <laughs> doing heavy work so i, I really do i i just really like the looks of it um and i i think it's comfortable too and i like it um I have some with larger that work kind of perfectly. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, the, my mini sabotage has some people might say it's a, you know, I don't want to say pocket pecker, but you know, it's definitely got a much longer and it feels great. It works freaking perfectly. But in general, I like front flippers and low per, low profile flipper taps.
0: Mm. I'm actually gonna sit kind of closer to to you, Mike, on on this. I see what Charlie's saying, but. I like. I just ordered a, a, a Cheberkov uh, Ruski, which has mm. that really low uh, profile flipper tab. But then I think it kind of mitigates some of the reliance on or over reliance on the push button method because it, it positions it at kind of like a two o'clock position if you're yep. looking at the yeah the pivot screw, so that you get a lot more of that sweep and that leverage, so you could kind of flick it open. I, I, was actually pleasantly surprised at Blade show by how well it worked. But I do think that Charlie, you're making a, 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 an interesting point how because in my mind what I was thinking when you're talking is that that push button method that, that that action of like pushing your finger into like a rotating pivot but like kind of charging it, it does feel a little bit unnatural to me. I, I think that the light switch definitely feels more natural um, to just kind of bring your finger down, bring your finger back. Um, and if that it does feel more natural, then design that's aimed towards that is going to result in maybe a longer flipper tab, uh, maybe uh, yeah, a higher position, one that's more prominent than some people might prefer. But, you know, you, since you brought it up, Charlie, I, I, I want to go ahead and say that I definitely do think, though, all that being said, that the whole pocket pecker thing is a, a little bit overblown. I just never had an issue with with uh, the flipper tab on my knives pecking away at or 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 damaging anything else in my pocket. Like I, I I don't know about you guys, but I just have never experienced that. So that's a, a portion of uh, some people's reviews that I just can't relate to. So,
1: <laughs> Absolutely, uh, you know, I made a video on this uh, some time ago about how I kind of disagreed because really, when the, when a knife sits in your pocket, say you're going to put your phone. In your pocket with your knife you know you do this Sometimes I'm sure Mm -hmm. The phone doesn't sit next To the knife it kind of sits under the knife So it's maybe even more important what The presentation Side of the knife looks like In terms of whether it's going to Destroy stuff in your pocket so uh, But like I've never had the, the, The flipper Tab itself be a problem in the pocket Ever with any knife from a Curtis F3 that has a
3: Boeing seven forty seven
1: for a flipper tab versus uh, you know or down to the sigma you know the sigma had but I will say that the sigma's tab was too small so if mm-hmm. you are going to make it a flipper make it a damn functional flipper don't make a, a bad flipper <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so but it, it's not my favorite but yeah go ahead Charlie what were you saying
3: yeah um I just wanted to to kind of clarify uh, for the low profile flippers mm-hmm. they absolutely do look better right. Um, Mm -hmm. anything that is sleeker and cleaner by design is better aesthetically. I'm just saying purely from a functional perspective. Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, If you're going for a satisfying action, Mm -hmm. I have no doubts that making your flipper a little bit longer, you know, would make the action just kind of more satisfying. And obviously, strike a balance between that and design. So we're kind of working on, I guess, I touched on two different topics altogether. One is... You know, if you're going to make a flipper, don't be afraid to put a bigger flipper tab in there because that generally it helps with the action, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of compensates in a way. Even if you have four poor flipper geometry and flipper design and poor detent, if you make that flipper tab long enough, like an inch, two inches, it'll flip no matter what, right? <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> I guess I guess the challenge with the the whole light switch thing is, I guess you guys have to kind of find me a counterexample. Find me any knife that is kind of strictly a push-button knife, not one that can be deployed both ways, like a Shirogorov, but like a knife that is only a push-button knife that still, you know, you can say has good action. I would, I would love to hear just one, because I can't think of a single knife in that category. You
0: know? I can think of one, right off the top of my head, is uh, a push-button side-opening protech. <laughs> That's true. That's the only I mean, that's push, a, button that's push button opener that I think yeah. should be a, solely a push button opener. <laughs> but I mean that's, that just illustrates your point, right? That's the exception that proves the rule. Right. Yeah, I'm I sister.
3: I just don't yeah. think it exists. I don't think you can say, oh, <laughs> this was meant to be a push button. I that's mm-hmm. all you're saying is this was uh executed poorly or something. That that's basically what I hear when, you know, people say that, I think. It's kind yeah. of a a rational you're you're kinda of trying to justify the pitfalls um, of you know your 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 flipper knife. It's mm-hmm. just oh you're supposed to load up. No, you're not. You don't have to do that at all. You know. Yeah, Yeah, you that, this
0: is actually a big part of the reason why I ended up selling my Satori, my my CKF Satori. I didn't have to pull custom. I just you had, really the had the it production for like a week. version.
1: You sold it fast.
0: Yeah, man. I did. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that, and it was actually because at the same time that I had the Satori, I also had just visiting on loan a, a Spectra by by CKF. So same company, um, roughly the same size category. The, the Satori is just enormous, but you know both of them were pretty big, beefy knives, and they're both you know these titanium frame locks. Um, but the the Spectra had a much longer flipper tap. I I I shouldn't I don't I don't mean to overblow that or exaggerate that, but, but it was significantly longer. And I think it was positioned at about the same angle to the uh to the pivot, so that, you know, you're getting about the same, I guess, range of motion, but you're getting so much more leverage with the spectra. Um and I just found that that flipping those two side by side really highlighted not necessarily the strengths of the spectra, but the weaknesses of the flipper tab on the Satori. Um, for such a thick blade and for how long it was and how much steel, just physical steel, there was in that blade, the flipper tab on it was just, I think, just too short. And and even even to my eye, and you know, with all due respect to Peter Resenti's design. Um, Uh, genius you know to my eye even from a design perspective aesthetic perspective the flipper tab just looks so small so i found myself not getting the same leverage and the same kind of satisfying opening action with with satori and you know just it was just too big i I mentioned both of those things in in my video review of it but yeah ultimately I, i realized i like this knife but i don't love it and that's why i just sold it while people were really kind of chomping at the bit to buy it so I didn't lose too much of what I put into the knife.
3: So I have I have photos of um, both the CKS Satori and the Spectra, and the resent these Satori's open, but mm-hmm. I am definitely seeing that the CKS Satori does have a shorter flipper tab than the ones on Peter's original designs.
0: Mm, I and see, to top I it see. all off, I really I think uh,
3: Peter's got one of the best, like, Traditional detents. Now that everyone's using these flat face ones, he's got one of the best traditional detent. I think of like all time, pretty much. It's, mm. There's very few flippers. Like I think there's some variances with his older stuff, but honestly, his his newer detents are pretty insane. What he's able to do, they flip super hard, almost all of them. Mm. And the thing is, he typically does. Uh, I don't know if he does it for the satori, but at least on my druid, uh, there was. Enough of it milled out where, you know, the Druid flipper tab is pretty high up. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, oh, I remember that. I remember the action on that Druid being really precise, really, really satisfying. And I think I also handled, um... Uh, Frank, what was the knife that, that he brought to Blade show? Um,
1: I, have his, a sm- I have a small Satori. I had, yeah. a, I had a regular Satori a while ago. I sold that to, to my friend Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, to our friend Josh uh, But I have a small Satori now You're right, he's got uh, very dialed in detent and Yeah, act, that felt really good The action is so fast and so smooth And my Satori dropped shut Like nothing else in my collection It's great
0: mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, so there must have been Something lost in the translation From going to his custom work To CKF's execution of it I think in every other way CKF did a fantastic job But that that was a little bit disappointing, to be honest, and I, I think that kind of highlights what you're saying, Charlie. That that yes, as a flipper, like you you have to deal with the flipper tab. I mean, it's 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 a source of problems that need to be addressed and resolved, but they need to all be balanced one against the other, or else you get a knife that looks good but might not flip well, or a knife that flips really well but maybe um as <laughs> as Frank was putting it, uh, maybe will. Take off in the wind if if the wind is blowing hard enough, you know. So.
1: Well, if I'm gonna if I can take this uh, discussion on a quick lateral here, yeah. I think it's in, I think it's interesting uh, that neither of the recent uh, production resenti efforts have captured whatever it is that that specialness that Peter's knives have, mm. uh, which I think is a good thing, honestly, for his custom knives. But I've certainly handled some production or mid-tech variants of knives that are as good or sometimes even better than their custom counterparts. But, uh, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. think they have... I guess the integral uh, is still something that needs to be uh, perfected,
3: I guess, by some of these production companies. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So
3: I I was going to pivot in, like, a very similar direction where it's... I think a lot of collabs capture the design of a knife. Um, But I think what usually gets lost... In translation between, you know, moving from like a thousand dollar piece to a hundred dollar piece. I'm not saying like the CKF is the best example of that because it actually captures like most of the even the fit and finish even. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But obviously, it did miss the mark on the D10 in the action, right? And that was yeah. kind of a game breaker because you know when you buy a Resente, you're buying it for the whole package. You're not just buying it purely on design. Oh yeah. And I think most people in our in the higher end price bracket, they're not buying a knife. Strictly on design, design is kind of what gets your attention first, you know, kind of like um, We all think we're not shallow but ultimately looks are the most important (laughs) thing, right? Um, So when it comes to these collaborations, you know, I think uh, One me and Mike were talking about was the Rogers Vector and the CRKT Quattro You capture most of the design and if you really dig his design you can get his design in a $40 package, but I don't know how much of the experience you're getting, um, mm-hmm. because it's simply not comparable. You know, like a Richard Rogers knife is really nice because it's insanely well machined and engineered and like all the pieces fit together perfectly. Everything feels soft in your hand and complete. No, no edge is kind of left sharp or anything like that there's just kind of no mechanical flaws on top of like a world class design that's why rogers knives are super desirable but then if you kind of move to a crkt well you lose a lot of that right you lose a lot of what makes a rogers knife a roger so i think in that light you kind of i'm not positive how i feel about these uh collaboration knives mm. um, you know, but to that point,
0: I think that's something interesting because I think you're absolutely right from, like, a collector perspective, from a design and quality perspective. Like, going from a Rogers Custom to a CRKT Rogers, obviously you're going to lose, like, 95% of that, right? Um, <laughs> but what I have noticed, though, because I I think maybe Frank and I might use... Well, I mean, Mike, you you're, you live in Brooklyn, right? So I mean, yeah. that's a problem. Yeah, but I think Frank and I might use our knives in ADC tasks a little bit more. And what I've noticed is that for me, when I when I take like a collaboration knife, yeah, you're definitely noticing the differences in quality. But from like blade geometry to like uh, the placement of your fingers. How um, the belly of the the edge or or the straight edge of it, you know, different parts of the blade are are presented to your cutting medium in a natural saber grip. Like these kinds of things, actually, I think do carry across. So you do get the functional aspect of it. Like once a knife is open, it doesn't matter how tight the fin finish is. Like it's just open and it's locked in, right? Um, So I think the functionality of it does translate. But but yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. In your collecting, are you looking for functionality, or are you looking for a a, a piece that's well done in all these other different dimensions as well? Um, and so, yeah, I do think that that is a kind of a layered discussion. But you make a a good point that that you do lose something when you go from the custom to the collab, and sometimes what you lose is kind of a yeah, kind of a deal breaker, I would say, like like with
3: the Satori. Yep, I I think that about. Um, I think Frank was mentioning the Resenti Paisan, right? Is that the knife you were referring to? Well,
1: really, the Nirvana, because everyone's had the Nirvana. Mm-hmm. The the Paisan is, you know, if you've been to a show, maybe you've handled one, but uh, they haven't really released yet. But even that is not—it's not a Resenti. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It's definitely a gateway. I think it's a great thing that these companies make these designs available to the public because Mm -hmm. a lot of them are great designs just functionally. Like a Richard Rogers design is a great functional, simple design. It's a great knife, but, you know, it's never going to be a special, uh, you know, made by CRKT, and uh, it's great (laughs) to get it in hand. It is great to get it in hand. Uh, It's certainly how I started. It sounds like how most of us started in this game is that we all got our hands on some kind of special you know, design made by you know a custom maker. You know, I certainly had Spider Co. Nirvana, and I had a Zero Three Nine Two, which was a production hinderer. And you know, then you you're able to go and find the really good stuff later on. So I think so, that there's, there's a win there. That's a good thing.
2: See, I almost had a weird, and this there was no reason for this, and I shouldn't have had it. But I almost I didn't have a high interest in Resenti because I came about it the other way and ended up. Uh, having the Spider-Con Nirvana when it first came out. And that was my first experience with any design by him. And I didn't think to, I had it for a week or so and then uh, got rid of it. And, but because of that, his, you know, I i, I wasn't chasing down anything by Resenti or anything. And then when I felt the real ones at a couple of shows, and I think Frank, maybe one of yours and a couple other Instagram people, you know, immediately, you know, I was like, oh, I need a Resenti. Um, yeah, I mean... And it's, feeling it's, the real thing was just a world of difference. And I got to feel a lot of his models by now, and they're terrific. And, you know, Charlie was always kind of sending videos of different recentes and stuff. And I kind of wasn't totally on board, and it was because of that initial uh, experience with the Spider Nirvana.
1: Well, I guess that's a good lesson to tell people, that don't judge a custom maker's... Oh, completely. ...knives by a production knife, if you think mm. it's bad. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that that was exactly what I was trying thing. to get at.
3: Yep. A huge thing. Sorry, I hit my mic, sorry. <laughs> I think you you know, if you if you like try a $40 knife and you don't like it, I I think that that says very little about how you'll feel about the actual thing. Mm-hmm. But I think there there're definitely exceptions to that, right? When we're in like a collaboration piece that actually ends up being as good or even better than, you know, the the actual custom piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like your uh, Frank's 0392's I think those were yeah. largely regarded as like, the better versions of the Eclipse so,
1: At the time they were better than what hinder was making, yes
3: mm. Especially a with, little
1: bit awkward, isn't it?
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> when, it is. Well, uh-huh.
3: to be fair though I think the 0392's were some of ZT's nicest knives of pretty much all time, right? Oh, they've, sure. got, oh, they've got a flat HD 10 I don't know if um, you guys noticed but mm-hmm. it's it's probably the best
1: knife they've ever made. Like uh, uh, of all of them that I've ever handled, it's it's just on another level.
3: Yep, I think it's it's also true with the O five six twos, O five sixties, O five sixes. I think the yeah. for like the longest time, um, you're kind of you know moving from your PM twos, your mini and your mini grips to the next level. It was usually between, I think, the 940-1 or the 0562CF, right? That was like kind of your next step up. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Oh, it was, it's, yeah. it's one of the, it's still one of the, I think, knives to get in this hobby. Um, with regards to, you know, getting something that has incredible action that has. It should
1: probably be everybody's first frame lock flipper, probably.
3: Yeah, oh, I think it depends on where you are yeah. because it is—it mm-hmm. is a huge knife, right? It is a—it is a like six-ounce knife at the end of the day. Sure, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you do have to but keep yeah, that But yeah, I mind. do agree with that. Yeah, I that or, like an O450.
1: There's something to be said about being, and I'm totally gonna just make this up. Being classically trained in knives, I'm gonna call it. Like you got—you had to start from the beginning and work your way up. We touched on this mm-hmm. in the last episode, kind of how we all. Progressed and everything, but definitely there are those stepping stone knives. The PM2, the 5.6.2, I think, is uh, one of the quintessential frame lock flippers. Definitely. Yeah. I agree with you, Charlie, totally.
2: That's a really good point, Frank, because I, and we mentioned it quickly last time, but I definitely feel like I lost out a little bit because of skipping over some of those. I had a 5.6.2, but I've still never had any paramilitaries, um, and I definitely feel there's a little gap in knowledge because of a few mm-hmm. different knives mm-hmm. that you know, you should have on the way up, like when you're getting classically trained, like Frank said. <laughs> <So>
1: <laughs> me it's like, uh, to me, it's like the PM2 is the perfect cutting tool. The 562 shows you what a good uh, ball-bearing flipper can be and should be uh, at that price range. And then the 940 is like a, a perfect EDC knife. So if you can combine those three knives, it's like you have the function of the – pm 2 the action of the 562, and then the carryability of the 940, that helps form, uh, at least in my mind, that helped form my sort of uh, preferences, realizing Mm -hmm. what was good and what was bad about each one.
0: It definitely helps set your expectations um, and some kind of standard. But, of course, uh, none of this is to say that you, you of necessity, have to move on from those knives. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people who, uh, come to those. I mean, when I bought my zero five six two, for maybe a year after that, I kind of thought, okay, I'm I'm done. I don't need any other knives. I don't need any other flippers. This is it for me. And I don't know exactly what kicked everything back up again, but definitely it all got kicked up again. Um, and but but you know, to be honest, like if if I hadn't started kind of getting back into collecting knives in a different from a different angle or looking at it from a different way. Um, I probably would have been just very content to just stop at the 0562 and just say, you know, I'm done. This is good. Uh, I'm, I'm satisfied with this. Um, and so definitely this is by no means trying to say, we're, we're not trying to say that you have to move on, um, in order to experience the best of this hobby. Uh, but definitely, um, yeah, there is something to learn from these knives as we're going through them. Um, and that, that kind of, uh, uh, kind of kicks back to to what you're saying, uh, what you were initially saying, Charlie, because if you look at the flipper tab on the 0562, there's is really not meant to be push buttoned, right? I mean it's it's shaped in such a way that it's intended to <laughs> grab your finger without jimping. You know, it's intended to grab your finger for the light switch. And I think that again kinda kinda proves your point. Um, and, and we, we brought this up I think last week too, but the brown servo could benefit from an adjustment to its flipper tab, probably, right? Because it is going for that low profile. It could be extended a little bit further. Mm-hmm. But then there is one knife, though, that kind of, I think, breaks or, 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 or complicates things because I'm looking at my Mini Goblin. And the Mini Goblin action, I think, is one of the best um, on in, in my collection. Um, but the flipper tab on it is tiny it is absolutely tiny and i think it actually does prefer the push button you know this is not really much of a light switch knife I, i've been trying to think of a, a counter example to what you're saying charlie but yeah I, I i think this actually works better as a push button i'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on that or, or I mean, those of you who has handled I, it yeah
3: i think the the design of that one is pretty similar to you said you got a Chevrokov ruski right i think it's pretty similar mm-hmm. uh, uh,
2: no the Chevrokov is way is is a lot different i pulled mine out, i i pulled my ruski out when you brought up yours it, it's it's mm-hmm. uh it's almost like a lip flipper but on the back side i mean your finger is really on the top and back of the knife it's it's very 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 far up it's like really on the corner yeah. of the knife. it's it's an unusual flipper and it feels different than anything else but just looking at the Koenig, it's it's even further up, if you could almost mm-hmm. take the tab and really put it like he said, like at the two o'clock position, I think he said, which makes mm-hmm. sense from looking at it. And it's almost on the top of, it's it's half on the top of the knife, uh, with jumping across there. So it's a little it's a
3: little little different than what I remember the goblin being. Mm. Yeah, but ultimately I think uh The mini goblin can be light switch just fine, right? It's not, you can prefer one or the other, but I think a knife that has both is totally fine in my book. My only issue is a knife that can only be push Mm, button. Okay, I see
0: what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I think a knife that's purely push button just means the detent's too weak or the flipper tab's wrong or something. I don't know. Something is off if it can only be push button. Maybe it just needs some oil. It could be something like that. I just Mm. think some something in the recipe is off. You know? mm-hmm.
0: Well, that kind of makes me want to pivot then to another question which is related to that, but um, do any of you guys like uh, thumbhole openers or thumb stud openers? How do you guys feel about those?
3: I uh, So f- for a long time, I would say um, I've been into flippers. The, the one that kind of brought me back into the other opening mechanisms were actually uh, the scout for thumb studs and probably the gaff for the thumb holes. So, um, and I think I, at least where I am now, I would always have at least one knife that is finger flickable, so to speak, Mm -hmm. uh, which for now, I guess is a sigil, but, uh, in the past it's been the Gapco. And I think the Gapcos were always just better as a finger hole opener. They were never really good flippers. I think all of them were kind of, you know, these push button flippers, right? These, they were the pocket peckers, I would say. They had these long (laughs) flippers to kind of compensate for how low on the pivot it sits um and his d10 is kind of inconsistent you know um there are a few that flip pretty good but there are some that you just couldn't you needed to like wrist flick it almost
0: Mm. yeah what about you guys are you guys at all into any thumb stud openers what are your favorite hole openers or thumb stud openers
2: i would agree with charlie on that um I'll probably always have a Guthrie in my collection as the mm. thumb stud opener. It's I think it's really hard to be a scout, especially like a nicely maintained one. That's probably my favorite thumb stud you, opening you, knife.
1: You guys are making me so excited. I have a, a goblin and a scout coming my way in the next few weeks, mm. I'm very excited wow. about that. Yeah, you had but a you had your,
2: your last scout was really nice, Frank. The uh,
1: that you had the carbon. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: That was a great the, looking one.
1: The copper dust, the copper, copper. shred one, yes. the copper shred. That was a nice one, man. I love the thumb stud action on that. To be honest, uh, we've talked a bunch about flippers today, and I have in all the time that I've spent playing with knives, I have definitely started to move away from flippers as my favorite opening mechanism. Mm-hmm. Simply because. Uh, it's if it's a if it's a flipper only, you always have to flip it out, and it's always kind of like it's almost like an out the front knife. I mean, it's not that mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. from a, a switchblade type knife, True. where mm-hmm. you have to flip it out. And so I kind of like to have uh, control over the situation because very often I'm not really uh, able to open a knife aggressively if I'm going to be using it in front of somebody. <laughs> so uh, My favorite opening mechanism is the spidey hole, honestly, because I feel like that's the most diverse uh, opening mechanism there is. You can do anything to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. You can go ahead. I had this kind of strange uh, – well, I guess it wasn't strange, but it, it made me think a lot. Um, I had this interesting uh, interaction with someone in the comment section of one of my videos. But, um, yeah, I mean – Frank, since you brought it up, like, can you think of any Spidey hole opening knives or Aperture opening knives, however you want to describe it, um, that do it particularly well? Because I, I was, I was, uh, playing with, uh, the Fortis 2.0, um, that was, uh, released not too long ago. You know, that collaboration between Farm Forge and Wii Knives, um, that yeah. just kind of is a direct partnership without MassDrop. Uh, but, um, yeah, I was handling the Fortis 2.0, and it definitely flips well with the flipper. But um, and, and usually this is the case where you optimize for one; the, the other opening mechanisms kind of kind of fail. But but really, or at least take a hit. But that that knife really didn't open well for me as a thumb hole opener, even though there is this large aperture in the blade that's intended to be used for that. So I'm kind of wondering, yeah, do you, what comes to your mind as like the best? Or your favorite thumb hole
1: opener? Thumb hole. Ah, uh, the, the the Nirvana. Mm, okay, is great. Uh, any well, any Spyderco, like Spyderco does it right for their knives in that regard. I think the main problem you're having with the Ford is, is that you're having a Ferrum Forge knife design, <laughs> and that's that's the root of the problem there. So, I, I mean, we don't get me started on these guys. They have like a, a cult that follow them because. Elliot thinks he's God's gift to knife making, but, uh, I mean, yeah, you can talk all you want, but you make these weird ass knives that don't honestly function or perform as well as you hype them to, so, anyways. Well, in his defense, he was he's, very he's, responsive to all of my complaints. He's <laughs> gonna come at me about that, he's oh, be like, oh, this guy's just talking, but. Oh we got our first we got our first drama on episode two. That's not oh, bad. you know, I, I, I you can get me started on a lot of these folks, but I've never <laughs> liked their knives and they don't spider flip particularly well. That's the thing. You have to if you're gonna make a knife with a spidey hole or whatever, you know, there are knives that, that have that in addition to a flipper and it's never as good. You mentioned the CKF Spectra, I had one as well. I have a video coming on that soon. Uh, it didn't open particularly well with the spidey hole uh, because it's also a flipper. Uh, So I think if you're going to do that, I like an an isolated spidey hole where that is the intended opening mechanism. I find that to be great. I've learned to love front flippers recently as well because it's, it also offers uh, the ability to open slowly or quickly and it's very sleek uh, and it's uh, aesthetically very pleasing uh, and not, not uh, threatening to other people. So between the spidey hole and the front flipper, I'm I'm a happy guy. Uh, thumb studs I like. I find that thumb studs sometimes get stuck on my pocket when I'm opening, when I'm pulling it out, and it opens the knife. It's like I that
0: happen to me a lot of times too. Maybe we're just wearing pants that are too tight, Frank. <laughs>
1: I, I think it uh, it has to do. I don't know. It's just a thing. It's just a, a, a depends on how much of a gap there is between the. Handle and the thumb stud and how, how prominent the stud is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that doesn't happen on a Chris Reeve because their thumb stud is so small and so mm-hmm. useless and painful <laughs> and awful. I'm just gonna make more drama. I just, yeah, you're <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just, we have to shots made. in every no, direction. We have to talk about what's good and what's bad out there, right? <laughs> so, uh, and then thumb discs, I would say thumb discs probably go down lower, um, I just find that I don't yeah. get the same kind of grip on them. I have this. Uh, Those are uh, the worst. Custom tech. <laughs> I have this custom tech, and I love it only because the thumb disc is made out of black robtanium, and it's sweet to look at. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. not the best opening mechanism out it's there. Not your
0: ideal opener, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but it you might know be the that. Worst. That being said, I, I, I was at at late show twenty eighteen. You know when Jonas from Massdrop was walking around with that box of prototypes. Um uh, the different collaborations that that they were, you know, that had they had in the pipeline. Uh, I got to handle the the Terzula, Um
1: Yeah, mine just uh, shipped. It's probably. on its way.
0: Yeah, mine did too. I'm really excited about that because the thumb plate on it, the thumb disc, actually works really well. Like I was blown away by that. So I think they're very few and far between, but sometimes they work well. But I was also reminded, speaking of thumb stuff, I was reminded of probably my favorite thumb stud opener uh, recently from a video via um, Birdshot IV, but um, it was uh, the the Kaiser T1. I think that had one of the best thumb stud opening actions I've ever felt on any knife of any level, um, including the gap codes that it handled, which I think are really great thumb stud openers. Um, But yeah, this Kaiser T1, I think, just has an unbeatable thumb stud action if you can be sure to just not apply any pressure to the lock bar when you're opening. That's probably the trickiest part of it, but once you get used to that, um, yeah, the thumb stud action on that is incredible.
3: So, I think everyone's on a bunch of these uh, Spidey hole knives, right? Mm -hmm. Do you you guys have a preference for, you know, the circular hole or, like, the elongated holes?
0: I think you got to go circle. I I think the elongated holes...
1: Circular hole, always.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because the elongated hole doesn't give your finger an indication as to where you're supposed to start the opening action, and so if you're if you're not thinking about it, like you might have like a failure rate of like thirty percent, twenty percent. Which
3: I mean, not not if your knife is dialed in correctly. Because how I see it is, mm-hmm. if it's longer, you can mm-hmm. kind of pick and choose your detent. So you can pick lower if you mm-hmm. wanna if you want a weaker detent and a slower flip, and you can go higher up if you want something snappier. This is all assuming the knife is well designed, sure. right? Uh, but that
0: that brings up something interesting because personally, I don't want to to pick my own anything in a knife. I, I I think this is actually very different from from some of you guys. But personally, I I appreciate it when a designer gives me all the ergonomic hints and clues to say this is how it should be used. There is no other way. And. And then I kind of appreciate that because I don't mind adapting myself to the knife. Um, but I want that process to be clear. I want I want the knife to speak clearly to me as to how it wants to be used. But I mean, that, if, that's, if, yeah.
3: If that's your argument, then I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. if you have one of those like fullers or elongated holes, your, mm-hmm. your finger is going to hit it at one angle, right? Because it's like straight where your fingernail makes contact. But for sure. a spidey hole, it's round. So you don't have a sense of direction of which direction to flick your middle finger, right? Because there is, like, different directions, right? You can flick it more outward versus more upward. So, I don't know. Mm. Sounds cool. contradictory. Sounds like I'm, a liar to me. Mm.
0: <laughs> Why are you guys just trying to start controversy within the show now, right? <laughs> No, but actually, when I I, I... I hear what you're saying, and I can understand where you're coming from, but when, I, when my hand comes into the saber grip on a handle... I, I find that my middle finger always ends up approaching uh, that that part of the blade, whether there's a thumb stud or a hole or whatever or nothing at all. My my middle finger is always approaching it at the same angle. Um, that's that's how the saber grip fits into my hand, and so I've actually never had trouble with any of the round holes um, with the spidey flicking. Um, so, yeah.
3: For the elongated holes, it's the same thing, right? Every time you come down and rest it, there's a natural place your finger's gonna go. You can yeah. say you don't know where you want it to put it, but it's gonna pick roughly yeah, the same. Yeah, but direction. when it's and when I, it's
0: elongated, I, when it's elongated, like your finger lands at this, you know, it, it, they get creative with the shape of the hole. So sometimes, like I'll the right nice right thing about it's yeah, something that's nice about the, the the spidey hole is that because it's a circle, whatever angle you come at it, it it Gives you purchase and traction, but the elongated and you have a, holes, you have a lot
2: of contact too. Exactly, the hole
0: in your finger. I mean, you have you, you know yeah. half of the circle you're making contact with. That's I, that's exactly right. Yeah, but then when you're doing the elongated one, you know the the angle of the the slope of the the hole, you know, might actually cause your finger to glance off a bit. So, I I would actually. Stand by my point. I'm not a liar, Charlie, I and mean, we can fight in the street if you want to. <laughs> oh my God! It seems like with the elongated one,
2: um, there's also just you know the maker really has to be doing it correctly for it to work. It seems like you would have a little more wiggle room or leeway if it was a uh, uh, the Spidey hole um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on some of them. Because Charlie, you had your which which is the one uh, that you had at 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 at, uh, at the gathering, uh, the Monroe. Um. Yes, yes. Yeah, and that was. I think uh, Frank wanted to say something. Oh, sorry, Frank.
1: Oh, no, no, I didn't.
3: I'm sorry.
0: Oh, sure. So polite to
3: Frank all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in this show is just lying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the show lies. I, but that one, I feel.
1: I've, if I can go back to the topic of the spidey holes, I think that the elongated ones are often a weird shape, and I don't get the right contact. But if you put a perfectly circular hole in the right spot, uh, it works beautifully. Spiderco knows how to do it. Peter Resenti's figured it out. Gapco's figured it out. But some people put it in sort of the wrong spot. Yep. You know, I wonder about some of these guys you see on Instagram right now are putting holes in their sebenzas. and they're calling it a Spidey Benza or whatever. It's a new. Fad of knife modifying If I don't know if you guys have seen this going on But I yep. maybe I, I doubt that Speed those holes. knives Have good uh, spidey hole Geometry because they're not designed to have that uh, yes, likewise, likewise If you try to mod any knife like that You might have some trouble But uh, it's very mm-hmm. important where that hole goes If you have a circular hole It has to go to the right spot So your finger hits it in the right spot If you're going to not be able to do that An elongated hole is sort of an easy fix to allow you to, to get uh, leverage from a different place, basically, is
3: my thoughts on it. Yep, I I agree with that actually completely. Yeah, but what what it comes down things. to is there there is definitely like an area on the knife and an angle where deployment should happen in the most optimal way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know where it is, the elongated hole can help because you can figure it out yourself. But if you know exactly where it is, then I guess you can put the um, Hole in that one spot, right? So a it's round just,
0: hole. In that, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Frank actually captured what I was trying to say—fumbling around because I was working through this web of lies that I was crafting. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I also kind of wanted to touch on Frank's whole thing of you know the dual slash triple deployment knives—the ones that you know have a flipper tab and a thumb stud, like a Norseman or a flipper tab <laughs> and a and a uh, finger hole, like the Gafco's, you know Yeah, yeah, the let's one, talk
1: about the Olamic Busker It's got 83 ways you can open it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you open and, it none of, and, and none of them are able. very good None of them are particularly good The spider flick is bad The front flip is bad uh, It's just, none of them are good
3: Yeah, but it's got a lot, right? If you right. add them all up, it's it's a lot of, you know i about quality
1: over quantity, Charlie Quality over quantity <laughs> That's my that's me that's just my preference. I know you were trying to say something. I'm just just messing with you.
3: No, I I agree with you. I'm I'm just kind of asking like I think it's actually pretty hard to dial, you know, a detent correctly for multiple openings. Yes. Yes, I think that's really, really true. Yeah. Yeah, when when it comes to, you know, flippers you want it strong, when it comes to thumb studs you want it lighter. Front flip mm-hmm. flippers you want it lighter. Finger holes kind of, you know, you have a bigger variance for those, I think. There's a pretty big sweet spot for the spider holes which are pretty nice which is why it could be preferable because i think it's a lot easier to make a nice spidey hole action because a wide range of defense strengths work for it
0: so on that point you know um did you guys see that uh that spider co announcement um or that prototype the the tropin the triple open knife the the tropin did you hear about this yeah, wow. it's literally spelled T R O P E N. You should just take a look at it real quick. Um,
2: oh, I, I just brought it up.
0: Yeah. Oh man, it is. Uh, it it is something. Looks, looks special. <laughs> it's something. Oh wow. Uh, that's hideous. Geez, yeah. Look at uh, that. No, this it bothers okay. me because not only is it hideous, of course, but also, I like mean, Spiderco doesn't exactly have the best um, track flippers. record of flippers, anyway. They have yes. one of the
3: worst flippers. They have yes. easily, I think, the worst flipping action out of <laughs> yeah. any yeah. production company. They really, the they, only do one, well. they The, the so, only one that's been passable was the smock. The smock. Uh, the smock one.
0: Yeah, but, and I'm looking forward to that one.
1: I'm looking forward to trying that one out. I thought I the, the every, Domino. I thought the Domino was okay. 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 Yeah. That was just a frame lock flipper. I think they did a great job on that knife, but
3: the thing is, though, I think. Uh, compression locks make it so much harder I don't know if you've tried like the Hanon or something but the compression I, lock
1: flipper just should not exist it's yeah, not, it doesn't, make,
3: doesn't work yes just yes. needs
1: to go away we need to stop asking for it it's not good mm mm-hmm. doesn't like work. I think
0: the idea sounds much better than the actual reality it's one of those things where I feel like Spyderco is trying to say this is like our signature opening mechanism we want it to become our our access lock but I, I, it just doesn't work that well on different designs. It there's on a the topic that I, of that,
3: yeah. mm-hmm. I think one of my biggest uh, like pet peeves with Spiderco is when they have a spider hole that doesn't do anything other than a logo. <laughs> I think not really bought it. Like on this knife, right?
2: This hole doesn't look like you could even use it. I'm looking at It doesn't look like it'd be visible. Maybe.
0: Yeah. But if you can't use the hole on the Chopin, I don't know what the third... Opening method is right. Emerson wave. What was the wave wave. and the flipper? And then, but that's only two. What's the third? What?
3: It's a compression lock.
0: Oh, so they're thinking you you open by disengaging the lock. But then that puts your finger directly on top of the blade, like it. The exposed blade. I didn't
3: design this knife. It's actually. (laughs) I don't know the answers. But it looks like an auto opener slash Emerson wave. And I guess you can. I guess maybe you can like slip joint open it. But then again, like every knife is. Oh. You know what yeah. I mean? No, well, then, I, I, yeah,
2: you're right. Then every knife is yeah. at least two different methods. It's probably shake this one out. Everyone, a everyone is a doping in that case. Dopin, <laughs> <laughs> dopin. I think you can just I take I think you can shake ends, this one out, but, too, yeah.
0: easily.
3: Compression yeah. like
0: that. I, I don't think the way to go is to just try and up, appease every subset of the knife world with one knife, right? I mean, I think that is common sense to say... That if you're going to make a knife a flipper, then specialize in developing a great detent and flipper tab configuration. If you want to go for a thumb stud opener or thumb hole opener, then focus on those things. But knives like this just kind of bother me because it, it's trying to be a jack-of-all-trades, but it certainly won't be a master of any of these, except for maybe the Emerson opening. That's probably one thing that that you can't really improve because the range of improvement is so narrow it's just a hook that latches that snags your clothes as you pull it out of your pocket right so i mean how would you improve an uh, emerson but a
3: sticker on it and it sticks to your clothes so it's grippier but I I, <laughs> I, I I see this blade shape though this blade shape is pretty interesting it's like it's like he has three different blade shapes going on too
0: yeah i i don't know i it's a lot going on
2: it's got but,
3: a harpoon i guess Call it that? But
0: if you guys like this one, I kinda of hear what your thoughts I want to hear what your thoughts are on the bench made um uh aileron.
3: Wait, wait, wait. I have I have one more Spyderco. the Spyderco sabotage, there. please. <laughs> oh, this the subvert? Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah,
0: the sabotage, sabotage. The, yeah.
3: The sabotage, the four hundred dollar orange D Yeah, I think
1: it's called the subvert. It's called subvert, yeah. yeah. Based oh, okay. on the sabotage, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what it will be called, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean Just it great. was nice. It was like great synonyms. in hand. It's like it's like a seven it's like a seven inch blade though. It's huge. It's a very it's a knife. big knife.
2: It's really, really big.
1: It's like it's over it's four and a quarter, isn't it? It's like a huge knife.
2: Yep, four point one four according yeah. to Yeah. yeah it's, it's nice, a, but they need to mm-hmm. make a uh, they need to make the smaller one. I'm surprised they didn't only do the mini. Because mm-hmm. the mini compared to most knives is not very mini. I mean mm-hmm. it's still a you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a nicely sized knife, so Right. I was also surprised when they went four-inch-plus um, on the first uh, yeah. design
0: from Nadi. See, my concern is that people are, are going to pick up this knife or see this knife in the catalog without knowing who Nadi Amor is and then to just decide, oh, wow, so this guy makes garden tools. That's great, folding garden <laughs> tools, you know, just because this that knife helps. is so big. I feel like you should be able to clear some bush with it.
3: I still can't believe it's over $300. Or S30V and G10, I think that's crazy.
1: Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that.
3: Yeah, it's unusual. It, it makes it makes the $500 payson look like a really really good deal. Like a bargain, yeah. Yeah, um, that's really a good
0: point. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. The, the pricing on these has just been, I think, ridiculous. And you know, speaking from a perspective of someone who actually has to sell these in a brick and mortar uh, from time to time, like their pricing structures is just so brutal that there's just no way that you can, uh, sell these in store and make a profit. And at the same time as competing with those online. So I don't know, I feel like this is across the board. I know this is very far field of what we have been talking about, but if Spyderco is ever listening to this, please adjust your pricing. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I think it's harming your resellers, um, like I was looking at the Matt Brower, uh, that small little EDC knife that just came out with the finger choil on it. It looks like a great knife. It's S30B, titanium frame lock with a, a four-screen G10 shows But scale. It's $175, you know, and and it's you can't even say that it's, it's uh, made in the USA, and so, you know, the, the wage disparity drove up the price. You know, you, you can't even say that. It's made overseas. So I just don't know what they're doing with that. But that's that's my little rant about Spyroco pricing. Sorry, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're, uh, you're not wrong.
0: Yeah, but, but going back to opening mechanisms, you guys have to see this. The Benchmade Aileron. Uh, How do you spell uh, that? So that's. I'll send. I'll send a, a link to
1: it. Yeah, Shoot a uh, link. I want to. I chat. want to
0: look at this thing while you're talking about it.
1: Oh, here we go. Yeah. Benchmade Seven Thirty Seven. Yeah, guys yeah. yeah. play with Oh, geez, aid. that's the that's the thing with the honeycomb pattern for dual hand opening. Oh, oh yes. Geez. Yes, but
0: it's not. It's not actually honeycomb. It turns out that they just laser etched the surface of the steel <laughs> to make <laughs> to increase the traction on it. Exclusive oh, like a, laser it like texturing.
1: Here. It looks like a
0: truck drove down it. It's That's exactly what it is. I'm, I'm thinking about that movie Drop Dead Fred uh, from the, the 80s and 90s with the with the tire marks all over him. But, yeah, exactly. That's what that, that is. And so I actually handled one of these in person. Uh, it definitely does give you more grip if you're doing the two-handed opening that this knife is, quote-unquote, optimized for.
1: Yeah, so Opinions, much. Yeah, go ahead. My, my question is this. I'm reading the Benchmade website. Mm-hmm. And the description of it says the aileron is a one of a kind tactical slash utilitarian folder perfect for air or ground use. <laughs> what does that mean exactly <laughs> it's 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 perfect for air use air like what like you're you're diving out of a plane yeah and you need the you air. need the laser etching on your blade so you can use both hands to open it. You gotta cut I, your parachute. Yeah, I no, don't understand. You gotta cut no, no, away your primary chute.
0: So, they actually released like a four or five minute video on their YouTube channel just explaining that sentence, right? And so, the idea is that if you're an airline pilot um, and your plane is getting hijacked, you would have all this adrenaline dump going on into your bloodstream. You might lose your coordination, and so you need to be able to have a knife that will reliably open with two hands, so that you're more securely set to face any oncoming threats. No joke.
1: So this is for. That's the reasoning. Did they yeah. release this on 9/11? I wonder if they released it on 9/11.
0: It was pretty close to 9/11.
1: <laughs> yeah. Interesting, dude. Interesting. This is like an anti-9/11 knife, specifically yeah. for. And I say this because my birthday is on nine eleven, and so it's like it's just a, a day for me. <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous.
3: Gives herself a bench made. Yeah,
1: benchmade. Yeah, benchmade America.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, but but what's what's funny about this is that if you actually look at the comments to that YouTube video, all these airline pilots chime in and say, "Hey, we're not allowed to bring knives onto the plane. You know, so, yeah. so how are we going to ever use this?"
1: <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
0: But here, but I bring this up just because it says it was optimized, quote unquote, optimized for two handed opening. You know, we've been talking about optimization for opening methods. I don't think that anyone needs a knife optimized for two handed. That's just a slip joint, right? And we've been. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that required optimization. Yeah,
3: exactly. Sometimes it's slippery. Sometimes it's
0: slippery. <laughs> My goodness, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I do like traditionals, and so in the traditional world, you have this whole subclass of slip joints called easy opens, where they literally just cut a notch, a circular notch, out of the handle to expose more of the blade, and then you just open it that way. You know, you just pinch the blade and open it, so... I think that would actually uh, be more more legal than a folding knife, but yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. have, have Have any of you owned the Benchmade Arcane? It's the one with the it's the axis lock flipper. Yes, I have. No how how is that one? Because I've always been curious about it. Because axis locks have no detents. so I was like, how do you make a you know how yeah. do you make a flipper with no detent? Well, obviously it's assisted, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things that seem like it would have been super popular, but I've never really heard anybody talk about it at all. Yeah, uh, it seems just like one of those combining deployments just result in something that is much less than the sum of its parts.
0: Yeah, so it, it used to be called the Amicus. I,
3: I I had
0: one for quite some time, and I gotta be honest, I really, really liked it. It was a good, good flipper, just because it's... the blade shape was perfect for EDC, just literally perfect. I, I don't know why they don't do more blade shapes like that, because it was just... I checked all the boxes. It I, had s 90 steel.
3: The knife design itself is really good, but yeah. I'm just mostly asking about, so when you have a flipper, nobody yeah. really wants an assisted flipper, right? And mm-hmm. then when you have, have an access lock, you want to be able to like swing the blade closed, but you can't do that because it's now assisted. So you kind of ruined both mechanisms, right. right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, in that sense, it really wasn't well thought through. Um, so it, it was like a bench made with an access lock that didn't feel like a bench made or an axis lock. It just, like if it was a ZT knife, like one of their ZT assisted flippers like a 0770 or something like that where the speed safe actually functions as the detent as well as the assist open like i think it would have been better just under a different label to be honest but um but yeah it was a good knife overall it wasn't a good bench made but it was a good knife
3: i think my favorite to to date is probably still that 941 i think i've kept that one for like two years it was uh that was probably my gateway drug, actually, not the Neon, I think. The 941, that was the the one knife that uh, took me to these, um, I think, no longer practical levels of, you know, I'm buying this tool, but it's $300, and, you know,
0: mm. I think
3: that... And, and it was pretty much the perfect size package, like Frank said. Um, perfect blade length, um, good blade shape, good mm. weight... Uh functional pocket clip, I'll say. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I just gave my friend a nine trying to remember exactly the designation. But yeah, I mean it's such a good EDC knife and and he was just blown away by it. I the
3: think what it comes pro- I think what it comes down to is a lot of it is kind of um you have a preference, right, for what you want to um, continue to collect, I guess, with, with your... You, you try and discover yourself, I think, as you uh, continue your collection and progress through the different price brackets. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things I've noticed is around, like, the four or $500 mark is when... You know, a lot of people tend to deviate. So I think up until then, all the good knives, what we tried, it's all very similar. But I think where, you know, Frank and me and Mike are right now, a lot of us have a bunch of knives that neither of us or none of us have touched, so to speak. It's kind of mutually exclusive because we have our own unique tastes now. But I think up until this $500 range, you kind of have... um what is it called? A very similar selection of knives? Yeah. You know, everyone's yeah. owned the B92s. The because
1: there's there are, uh, you know, there are 10 billion knives under $300, but, you know, only about 30 of them are really, really, really good, and everyone should have those, definitely. I think that's what you're saying, that there's sort of a common base, that there is like, there are some yeah. very good ones that everyone has had or should have. And that's like I, what I, you were
2: saying in the beginning, Frank. That's your classical education is going through you know those thirty or so
3: or, maybe maybe there's some you're number saying. of knives. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that uh, assessment. It's kind of like your GEs, everyone takes the same GEs and then we all major in something, right? And I think up until analogy? Yeah, six, seven hundred dollars, I think everyone else we all like the same things. Like you need to try the Shirogorovs. you probably need to try like a Thorburn or something. Um, you have to try pretty much a bunch of the mid techs the good ones and the bad. I think you have to try the bad knives to really appreciate the good knives too. Absolutely. Uh, in Frank's case, I guess you would want to try some Ferrum forges. But ah. to be fair, though, I do <laughs> actually like. They're I, not I don't bad knives. I just don't they're, like. They're them. not. They're not bad knives. Like a lot of them are actually. I I really like the Stinger. I don't know if you guys have. Oh yeah, the Stinger's great. I had,
1: mm-hmm. I had a Stinger XL. That's probably the the best knife that
3: they have. I, I had a Stinger V1, so not the SM-100 one, because that one can't flip well because it's SM-100. Mm-hmm, so right. I think, um, honestly, they have some really cool designs. Um, I'm glad they stopped using the, the bent wire clip, whatever thing that they had that was always kind of cheap. Um, and I also wish they would move from the HRDs. I don't like those at all. Those are, I hate those. That's the one reason I don't like their not. Kni- the main reason I don't like their knives. I think that yeah, that that's my main gripe with them too. Is garbage traditional detent on it, and but they also have some. Uh, I know a lot of ferry ports <laughs> have Lock Rock issues too. So
1: they're just they just I I don't like them, man. They have tiny little pivots. They have toe rolling detents, and they have weird ass designs. I mean, they're they're like custom series. They're makers <laughs> choice knives. You're just like, I, I just am con- confused about who's buying them and who likes these, you know, gas station designs. I don't really understand. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, I he's he's spending, he's spending so much time making these knives. You watch him, Like, he's mill- freehand milling these titanium knives into... Like from good-looking knives into garbage, I just don't understand why Are people talk about the Maker's so, Choice so ones. So yes, I, I
0: personally, personally, I it's not my taste, but I I think they look fine. I am a big fan of the movie Aliens, and it just makes me think of that. I I feel I did a review of one of these Maker's Choice ones that looks like it would come out of the mouth of the mouth that comes out of the <laughs> mouth of the xenophore. You know, like right, right, morph right. yeah, yeah. I feel like that's pretty much where it should show up next. So you I'm know? Like,
1: I don't want that on my knife, though. Like, that doesn't—that's <laughs> not even remotely close to the theme I want on my knife. And maybe, maybe there are people who love that stuff and they're selling them to him. But you know, they're also like twelve hundred dollars or whatever they are when they're done. So it's, it's like, funny,
0: Frank, because you—you're really into Resenti and. That's pretty much the anti Ferum Forge in terms of the aesthetic, right? <laughs> very
1: much. I'm very, much, and I've talked about this with Tyler. <laughs> you know, uh, our our mutual friend The uh, Tyler mm-hmm. does not like uh, Resenti's overly plain style, but I think there's a lot to be said about uh, showing uh, what is it? Uh, I guess reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rest- I think that restraint, it, restraint is the word. Yeah.
0: So, this is introducing a whole bevy of new topics, and so this is probably where we are going to wrap things up for this episode. So, Sounds do you good. have? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's save some of this for the next time. And just talking to our listeners, do you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share? Do you have any topic suggestions, disagreements, support? You want to fight me in the street? I don't know. <laughs> uh, hit us up at podcast at gmail.com. We'll be checking that email address and, and seeing what we what you guys have to say. Um, But yeah, until next time, have a knife life.